Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. And welcome back, y'all. Happy National Bill Cosby Sweater Day. Yes, I'm serious. You can't make this stuff up. You can rescind the man's fake doctorate degrees, but you can't unravel a legacy. And God help me, I just couldn't find mine this morning. Ah, should have guessed. Better dry that thing on delicate, Chester. You shrink it, you bought it. Ah, at least the stains won't show. Come on in, friend. Hmm. Okay. Now we're rolling. And while we're at it... <sighs> Whew. Tonight, we've got a real pudding pop. We welcome Mr. Leon Hamilton to the program with a tale that really fits the milieu. Fucking Jeff and his vocabulary. So smoke them if you got them and drink those glasses to the bottom, y'all. Cause old Drew Blood has a tale to tell. But first, the jello pudding. Howdy, you're listening to the standard edition of this program. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy ad-free versions of this and all our other episodes, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu and sign up today. You'll get instant access to the whole kit and caboodle, including millions of tales from our audio archives dating back to 2012. Ready to throw your hat in the ring, authors? Send your stories to drewbloodhorror at gmail.com. If selected, shit, you'll get the full treatment. Tonight, we join a few crazy kids on their last hurrah before adulthood. So, without further delay, I give you, from author Leon Hamilton, Bloody Muddy Water. Just south of Eidelberg sits Blackwater Swamp. Travel far enough in and you'll find the Harlow Estate. There's no local legends or ghost stories about it, and if you were to ask any of the locals about the estate, you'd come to the conclusion that no one cares. The Harlow Estate is, or rather was, a large two-story house that sits on a private island. Over the years, local kids started using the place to throw wild parties. That became sort of a tradition that lasted for years till a particularly nasty hurricane season essentially destroyed the place. Slowly but surely, it was abandoned and left to rot away in the swamp. Even though most people ignored it, my friends and I still went there from time to time. 
There were three of us, Victor, Willie, and me, Carl. The swamp wasn't the safest place. Alligators, wild hogs, snakes, and spiders were the usual, but we were used to it. It was the summer of our senior year in high school, and we had all graduated and wanted to throw one last party at the estate before life pulls us away. Vic was in charge of beer and weed. Willie was bringing his hunting gear, and I was borrowing my cousin's airboat. The plan was to invite a bunch of people, but we kind of forgot we weren't what you'd consider popular. Course no one showed up, which was fine with me, but now we were stuck with way too much beer and <laughs> nowhere near enough weed. <laughs> Cracking the cap of a fresh beer, Willie stood and raised his drink. Before he could spit out some corny toast, we started throwing rocks at him. Boo! Vic called out. If you say one more word, I promise you're swimming back, he added, nudging me and laughing at the look on Willie's face. <laughs> one thing led to another, and before we knew it, we were drunk. Right about here is where I had the genius idea of going inside the house to get some photos. The walk from our camp to the estate took a little longer than it should have, but considering how blitz we were, I'm surprised we made it at all. As the estate came into view, we were shocked at how bad it looked. Creeping vines had overtaken the front of the house, snaking their way up the walls and pouring in through the broken windows. The old wrought iron fence was a rusted heap nearly hidden by piles of debris from the flooding. Chugging the last of his beer, Willie tossed the can then aimed his flashlight at me. Hm, I say since this your idea, you go in first. Before I could say anything, Vic seconded the motion then shoved me towards the path leading in. Laughing it off, I shrugged and turned my attention to the house. The place was a mess. Most of the roof was missing, and what was there had collapsed. By the looks of it, we wouldn't be in there long. As soon as I stepped onto the path, I noticed the ground was soft. I didn't see anything out the ordinary till we were near the front steps. There were clusters of red-capped mushrooms growing on every inch of exposed concrete. We literally had to walk through them to reach the front door, and by the time I stepped inside, I looked like a powdered donut. Taking a moment to dust myself off, I looked around. Murky black water stood knee-deep throughout the first floor. I could hear something splashing around. I guessed it was a frog or something, because it didn't sound big. Straight ahead of me, I could see the main stairway was still standing strong but there was something wrong. On the second floor landing, there was a statue of a woman with what I thought was a child standing next to her. Focusing my light on it, I paused. The thing standing next to her was a creature. From the waist down, it was an alligator, and from the waist up, it was a human. But the face was a horrible combination of the two. Its oblong skull was lumpy and deformed, with features I couldn't clearly define as human or gator. Slightly stammering through my words, I called to the others, 
Hey, uh, do you guys remember a statue in here? There was a long moment of silence before Vic poked his head in and froze when he saw what my lie was on. Whoa, where'd that come from? He asked, stepping inside while motioning for Willie to follow him. Once we were all standing there, Willie laughed. Ah, hey, it gotta be fake. Who go through the trouble of putting something like that up? Our combined drunk logic said he was right, and to prove it, Vic sloshed through the water, then climbed up the stairs to see for himself. Damn, this thing is creepy, he called back to us before trying to shove the statue. When it didn't budge, he stepped back, scratching at his neck. Holy shit, it's a real statue. Wanting to get a look, Willie joined him, leaving me standing by the door. The layout of the place hadn't changed much. Other than the smell and the water, the hall to my left was partially blocked off by a collapsed ceiling. The large room to my right was overgrown by the vines coming in through the window and the small clusters of those mushrooms. From what I could see, the hall leading to the kitchen was clear. The water would be deeper there, but it led to the back of the house. I was pretty sure the second floor was useless. There wasn't much there to start, so we weren't missing anything. We goofed around for a while taking pictures and recording video for Willie's YouTube channel, then made our way to the kitchen. From there, we could take the back door to the garden so we could see if our weed plants survived. Technically, they weren't our plants. Over the years, lots of people planted seeds. It was another one of those traditions that started long before we ever saw this place. Aside from the garden, there were three smaller buildings behind the main house. No one ever used them because they were falling apart. The odds were there wasn't much left. By the time we made it to the kitchen, the water was waist deep. It didn't take long to realize a flaw in our plan. Standing water is a breeding ground for mosquitoes, and we were being eaten alive every step of the way. Making matters worse, there was so much debris piled against the back of the house we couldn't get the door open. After searching for a few minutes, I found a hole in the wall big enough for us to go through, but we had to crawl, and that meant being underwater for a few seconds. It was obvious this was a blank trip. There was no way anything survived, but we did it anyway. Well, I went through last. While I was waiting for Vic to clear the hole, there was a splash from somewhere behind me. Glancing back to the hall, a ripple rolled across the water coming towards me. I didn't see anything, but I knew there was something there. Quickly checking to see if the way was clear, I hurried through to catch up to the others. The second I stood up, Willie tapped me. Don't move, he muttered as I wiped the water from my face. When my vision cleared, my jaw dropped. There was a massive uprooted tree lying in front of us, but that wasn't the problem. What had to be a hundred swamp rats were perched on top of it, staring down at us. Moving slowly, Vic eased over and whispered, I think we should get back inside. As the words left his lips, the rats started jumping in the water. The next thing we knew, we were under attack. Go, go, go! I yelled, watching the beady-eyed horde swim towards us. In a mad scramble, we dove back through that hole and tore ass through that house. We ran all the way back to our campsite.
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Stinking of stagnant water and covered with mosquito bites, we stood there stumped, staring at nothing. Our boat was gone and the camp was trashed. Jazz gonna kill me. How am I supposed to tell him his boat got stolen? I blurted out excitedly while pointing to where it had been. Walking up to the edge of the water, Willie replied, Fuck Jack, how are we getting home? The realization that we were stranded landed like a bomb. We had our phones, but there was no cell service in the swamp. The three of us stood there silently looking at what was left of our camp. Whoever had done this hadn't taken our supplies, but they were scattered on the ground. Willie's hunting gear was intact. There were three life vests and two overturned coolers. Aside from the boat problem, things could have been worse. Turning over one of the coolers and taking a seat on it, Vic shook his head. If this is a joke, it ain't funny, he said before picking up a beer, cleaning it off and opening it. I bet it was the gentries. They've been after us since last year. The gentries, Adam and Thomas, the year before, we'd trapped them in a shipping container with a skunk. In our defense, it had been payback for them locking me in a porter toilet and pushing it over. Scooping up a beer for myself, I glanced over at Willie. He was picking up the life vest and mumbling something to himself. Shrugging it off, I wiped the can clean, opened it, and took a sip. <sighs> Now, if it was them, we'd know it by now. They'd have stuck around just to rub our noses in it. Besides, those two are dumber than dirt. I don't think they could come up with a prank this good. Vic nodded in agreement, then took a drink. We batted a few more ideas around, but Willie had been oddly silent. The entire time we'd been talking, he'd been staring out at the swamp with a life vest in his hands. Hey, what you doing? Vic asked, trying to get his attention. Without responding, Willie slipped the vest on, then started walking towards the water. Seeing what he was doing, we snapped into action. We managed to catch him just as his feet got wet. But the moment one of us touched him, he started yelling, Let me go! I can't stay here! He was frantic. It took the two of us to drag him away from the water and he fought us the entire time. He wouldn't calm down. We literally had to pin him to the ground till he gave up. When he finally stopped fighting, he kept muttering, I can't stay here. I can't stay here. While rocking in his seat, 
I kept an eye on him while Vic got a fire started. Then we took turns watching him till we eventually fell asleep. Well, I couldn't tell you how long I was out, but the fire was still burning, so it couldn't have been long. I lay there staring up at the stars for a while. The crackling of the flames mixed with the sounds of the swamp was almost hypnotic. For a moment, I forgot just how screwed we were. Then I heard something in the distance. At first, it was faint, but as I focused, it became clear. A voice called out. I sat up looking around, but I didn't see anyone. Getting to my feet, I made sure Willie was still asleep. He and Vic were out cold, so I knew it wasn't one of them, but the voice was still there. Help. Moving slowly, I went to the water's edge and looked further out. That's when I saw someone. There was a kid splashing around in the water. I couldn't tell if it was a boy or a girl, but by the looks of it, Whoever they were, they were in trouble. Kicking off my boots, I rushed in and started swimming out to help. As I got closer, the splashing stopped and the voice went silent. There was no point in diving under to find them. The water was murky in broad daylight. At night, it would be like trying to see through mud. I swam out to the exact place I'd seen the kid, but there was nothing there. There wasn't much I could do, and being in the water at the dark was dangerous, so I turned to start swimming back. I made it close to halfway when the voice cried out from behind me. Help! Good thing I was in the water, because I'm pretty sure I pissed myself when I turned and saw what was there. Maybe ten feet away from me, I saw someone staring at me. The top of the person's head was sticking out of the water, but it wasn't moving. Uh, are you okay? I called out, but there was no reply. The moment I made a move towards it, the head dipped below the water. I'd seen enough. I turned away and started swimming back to shore as fast as I could. Well, I'm a decent swimmer, so I figured whoever it was wouldn't be able to catch me. But I was wrong. Something slammed into me. And a surge of pain shot up my left leg. Everything happened so fast I didn't have a chance to react. I was snatched under and immediately spun head over heels. My first thought was death roll. A gator had me and I was about to be ripped apart. I felt my shin snap under the pressure as my body was ragdolled to the point I couldn't tell up from down. Fear flooded my body like the swamp water that was filling my lungs, and I blacked out. I guess the commotion woke the others because the next thing I knew, Vic was pulling me out of the water. What the fuck were you doing out there? He asked before seeing my mangled leg. Holy shit. Don't move. I'll be right back. Hopping to his feet, Vic hurried past Willie who was sitting up, scratching the side of his face and muttering to himself. Still groggy, I puked up some water, then glanced down at my leg and started screaming. The skin of my shin had been stripped away, revealing broken bones and shredded muscle. 
I hadn't realized to that moment that I couldn't feel my leg. By the time Vic got back with the first aid kit from Willie's bag, I was in full panic mode. Once he finally got me still enough to bandage me up, I blacked out again. When I came to, Vic was sitting by the fire. He was bloody from setting my leg and he looked exhausted, but Willie was gone. Where'd he go? I asked as I sat halfway up supporting myself with my elbow. Closing his eyes and tilting his head back, Vic took a deep breath and tried to calm himself. While I was working on your leg, he took off. Before I could stop him, he put on that dumbass vest and got in the water. He wouldn't come back. I tried to get him to turn around, but he just kept going. What was I supposed to do? You were bleeding all over the place. I couldn't leave you there and go after him. Flopping back down, I tried to focus. My head was spinning and I felt sick. For the time being, I decided not to say anything about the kid I saw in the water. It would just add more problems and all I wanted to do was go home. The sun would be up soon. Even though no one came to the estate anymore, there were a few guys that fished in the area, so there was a chance we'd get spotted if we stayed put. Since technically I didn't have a choice, staying where we were made sense. As the morning rolled in, I almost wanted to cry. Thick gray clouds hung high in the sky. Rain was coming. Great, I muttered to myself before glancing over at Vic. He hadn't moved since I woke up. Can't say I blame him. This whole situation was out of control and by the look of it about to get worse. Thunder rumbled across the sky as the first few drops started to fall. Looking up laughing sarcastically, Vic threw up his hands. Oh, come on, man, seriously. What the fuck is wrong with you? Go away! He shouted at the clouds while fanning both hands to the side as if he were clearing them out. In most cases, this would seem strange, but that's Vic. Ever since we were kids, he talked to the clouds. He said it was something his granny taught him. There's good clouds and bad clouds. The good ones listen and the bad ones do what they want. He'd say it every time he saw rain coming. Shrugging his shoulders, he turned his attention to me. We can't be this close to the water. Looks like the bad clouds are here to stay. As much as I didn't want to risk moving, I knew he was right. The water rises fast in the swamp. It could go from bad to worse in a heartbeat. The only thing we had going for us was Willie's hunting gear. Aside from the first aid kit, he had brought his 22 long rifle with extra ammo in his pack. There were also a few cans of corned beef, spam, and chili along with some flares and a map of the area. I remember making fun of him for bringing all that stuff to a party, but I was glad he had done it now. Hoping the rain would pass true, we opted to take shelter a little further in, beneath the hanging moss trees. After an hour, it was clear the rain wasn't letting up. Vic yawned and leaned back against the tree. I don't think anyone's coming. Not right now, at least. Maybe we should move inside. It might not be perfect, but we'd be dry. He had a point. Besides, even if someone were to come by, they wouldn't have seen us under the trees. 
going inside was probably the best choice. Once he had gathered the gear and helped me up, we made our way to the house. Somehow the rain made the place look creepier than it had before. Thinking about swarming mosquitoes and hordes of swamp rats almost made me change my mind. Look, we made it to the Mushroom Kingdom, Vic said jokingly as he helped me up the stairs. Every step we took released a cloud of spores. The rain kept it down, but it was still sticking to us as we crossed through the doorway. Once we were inside, he sat me next to the opening, then flopped down a few feet away. We were wet and cold. It was a miserable situation, but being inside was a hell of a lot better than sitting under a tree. After a short rest, Vic got up and started looking around. I'm gonna go look for some dry wood. We might be able to get a small fire going, he said, getting to his feet and stretching. There was no point in arguing. It wasn't like I could stop him. I watched him search for a moment before I noticed something was different. The statue of the creature wasn't there anymore. I think there's someone else here, I said, pointing to where it had been. Vic paused and looked for himself, then scratched his head. Well, if someone else is here, they need to get their asses in gear and help us, he replied before yelling. You hear me? Get out here and give us a hand! He stood there silently for a moment before shouldering the rifle and pointing it to the stairs. I'm going to the second floor. There might be something we can use up there. Hang tight, I'll be right back. I watched as he sloshed through the murky water then made his way up to the next floor. Once he was out of sight, I sat there listening to the thunder trying not to think about the throbbing pain from my leg. I couldn't help but wonder about Willie. That was a long swim, and now that it was raining, the odds were he hadn't made it very far. As that thought crossed my mind, Vic came bounding down the stairs, carrying a metal wash tub he had filled with bits of dry scrap wood. Bingo, gringo! We've got action, he announced, holding up his haul so I could see it. I was surprised he had found anything, but having a fire to warm us up felt like the best idea ever. After poking a few holes in the wash tub, Vic piled the scraps in and lit the fire. We sat tossing in extra pieces till the flames were high enough to make a difference, then got comfortable and watched the rain. Eventually, Vic fell asleep. For the first few minutes, I couldn't take my eyes off the statue. There was something so familiar about her face. She reminded me of a picture I'd seen somewhere, but I couldn't place it. A loud splash from the hall caused me to look in that direction. We hadn't had a chance to see what was down there, but from what I could remember, it was the dining room. Out of the corner of my eye, I could have sworn the statue moved. It was a slight turn of her head, but when I looked, it hadn't budged. Wincing and laughing at myself, I rubbed my leg, trying to ease the pain. There were dark veins spreading up my thigh, and it was warm to the touch. I was pretty sure it was infected. Letting out a sigh, I leaned back, propping myself up against the wall. It was getting harder to stay calm, but panicking wasn't going to make things any better. Time passed slowly as I watched the water rising. We were going to need to move the higher ground if it kept up, 
and the only place I could think of was the landing where the statue was standing. A part of me was hanging on to the hope that Willie made it and was on the way back with help. The rest of me just hoped he wasn't dead. Closing my eyes and tilting my head back, I tried to relax. The squeaking of a rat changed that instantly. More out of surprise than fear, I turned and spotted it was swimming towards us. Wood rats are big bastards to begin with, but these were huge. From a distance, I'd swear it was a possum. The minute I laid eyes on it, more of them came swimming out of the hall sounding off. As the squeaks and squeals filled the air, I tried to wake Vic, but he wouldn't move. I had to get the rifle. Using my arms and one good leg, I dragged myself to where it was sitting. Praying for a good shot, I grabbed it, turned and fired without aiming. I missed. The lead rat climbed out of the water and rushed me as I checked another round then fired. It was a hit, but it didn't matter. As the one fell, three more took its place, and behind that, another dozen with more on the way. All I could do was cover myself as the horde stampeded over us. Dozens of them clawing and scrambling for the door. They weren't attacking. They were running, and we were in the way. When it was over, and the last of them vanished into the rain, an eerie calm settled in. Vic was sound asleep. I thought he was dead till he stirred a little then started snoring. Laughing and shaking my head, it dawned on me. The rats were running away from something. Shit, I muttered. There were eight shots left. Once I reloaded, I tried waking Vic again. Get up, man. We gotta go. There's... The sound of something big splashing around in the kitchen cut me off. I could hear it bumping against the walls of the hall for a moment, then it stopped. Loud sniffing followed by a low growl forced me to swallow the lump in my throat as I took aim. If it was a gator, the rifle wouldn't stop it unless I hit its soft spot at the base of its skull. That meant I'd have to be either standing or above it. I was fucked. I kept waiting for a massive gator to come charging in, but nothing happened. I wasn't about to stick around. I knew there was something in that hallway even though I couldn't see it. The door was a few feet away. I could possibly drag myself out, but there was no way I could leave Vic. Scooting to the door, I placed a rifle outside, then turned back and grabbed him by the arms. It was going to take a lot, but it had to be done. I strained and pulled using my right leg to help and managed to get us both halfway through the door. That's when it attacked. The first thing I saw was its head. An elongated mass of flesh, colored scales emerged from the water, snapping its jaws and reaching out with almost human-looking hands. I was still pulling at Vic's arms, trying desperately to drag him out, but it was too late. The creature grabbed him by the legs and snatched him away, causing me to fall back, landing in a bed of mushrooms. I was instantly engulfed by a cloud of spores. My eyes were burning and I couldn't breathe. Gasping for air, I sat up in time to see that thing bite into Vic's hip and tear off his leg before dragging the rest back in the water. Rubbing spores from my eyes, I reached for the rifle and froze when I heard rustling from the bushes to my right. 
there was just enough time for me to glance in that direction. A smaller version of what I had just seen launched itself at me. I felt it grip my shoulder and wrist, forcing my arm straight while simultaneously biting down on it. There was a loud crunch and my fingers went numb as the little bastard landed then immediately went into a death row. All I could do was gasp. It happened so fast my brain hadn't processed the pain. As the creature rolled for the first time, the momentum slammed me face first into the ground, knocking out my front teeth. The second roll snapped bone and tore tendons to shreds. The third took everything from the elbow down. The creature backed away eating while I flopped around, spraying blood and screaming at the top of my lungs. It finished my arm and was about to attack when a shot rang out. It snarled at me, then quickly turned and scrambled away, vanishing in the overgrown brush. Gunfire echoed around me as the pain kicked in and my body shut down. The last thing I saw was Sheriff Landry standing over me looking down. I was in a coma for three days and in the hospital for months. I lost my arm. They had to amputate my leg due to infection, and my friends were dead. According to the doctors, the spores we inhaled caused us to hallucinate. We'd gotten dosed and stumbled into an alligator's nesting area. I told them about the creatures and the statues. They said the statue of the woman was an art exhibit from Crimson Creek, which is a town east of Blackwater Swamp. They showed me pictures. I instantly recognized it, but there was no creature with her. When I asked about it, I was told it had to have been a hallucination brought on by the spores. The more they explained everything, the more I started to believe their version of what happened. As it turns out, Willie was the reason they found me. His mangled torso was discovered by fishermen. The life vest had my cousin's info written in it, so they contacted him. Jack told them where we had gone. They found his airboat not far from where they had found Willie. All they recovered of Vic was his head and one of his legs. When it was all said and done, the whole thing was written up as a horrible accident. When I finally got out to hospital, I slipped into a deep depression. Both families blamed me for the deaths and I had to agree. It was my idea. They died because of me. Months passed before I finally looked through my phone. The photos and videos were still there. One photo in particular brought my world to a screeching halt. It was a picture I'd taken of Willie and Vic standing by the two statues. The thing that made my heart drop was the fact that the light from my camera's flash reflected in the creature's eyes. It wasn't a statue. It had been right in front of us, and we were too drunk to see it. In the video, I literally saw it turn to look at us. I posted everything online and told everyone that would listen, but no one believed me. They thought I was trying to make money off the death of my best friend. That led me to do some research on the creature itself. 
All I found were some pictures of Jack the Alligator Man. No one's been able to help me and most people think I've gone crazy. The only person that believes me is my cousin Jack, but everyone thinks he's crazy, so having him on my side doesn't help much. He wants me to go back there. That's not happening. There's no combination of words known to man that could convince me to set foot in Blackwater again. Since I refused to go, Jack said he's going out there alone. His plan is to torch the estate and kill anything he finds. I've been trying to talk him out of it, but he won't listen. The only thing stopping him right now is his airboat. It was badly damaged when they found it. The repairs should be finished next week. That buys me a little time. If I can talk him out of it, this will be my last post. If I can't, this will still probably be my last post. It's been real. This is Carl Grant. Signing off. And that was Bloody Muddy Water by author Leon Hamilton. A good reminder to mind the five W's of a safe campsite. We won't get into all those here, but at least make sure there aren't too many hybrid alligator monsters. A little about the author. Leon Hamilton is a fellow Texan, giggity, with a passion for horror that goes back further than he'd care to admit. You could say he's found his heart in the darkness and never came back. He's had dozens of tales performed all over YouTube, with such names as Dr. Creepin', Cryptid's Roost, Campfire Tales, Creepy Spaghetti, Demon Creep, and more, writing under the pen name Getiesha. His influences are many, but his first love will always be horror. Thanks, Leon. And do old Drew Blood a favor, would you? Subscribe to his podcast wherever you do your listening and leave him a five-star review and a kind word, even if you're listening on YouTube. He needs soldiers on all fronts to win this battle, and he appreciates it. To hear a premium ad-free edition of tonight's and all the other episodes, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click Patrons in the upper menu. You'll find yourself at ChillinTalesForDarkNights.com, where you can become a patron for as little as $5 per month and get access to their entire audio archive, all ad-free and available to download or stream. Thank you for your time and for supporting our sponsors. When you support our sponsors, you support this show. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chillin' Tales for Dark Nights there where you'll get all the latest updates and new releases and have the chance to interact with them each and every week. Oh, and you can find Drew Blood on Facebook and Instagram, and sometimes Twitter. The Drew Blood's Dark Tales podcast is accepting submissions, friend. If you've got a story or two you'd like to be featured on the show, send it to drewbloodhorror at gmail.com. If selected, you'll get the full treatment, 10 Bananas. Well, I'm afraid this is where we part ways, at least till next week. So grab a drink for the road, friend. I hear you don't like Budweiser, Popper, but it is the king of beers. 
and you shall submit. And may the wind be at your back, and may the road rise up to meet you. Keep your ass out of hot water, or any water, if you can help it. Beyond that, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Good night, my friends. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.